This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash myangularstory. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Hussein Jirde. Now, you were on episode 138 of Adventures in Angular. We talked about progressive web apps. Uh, do, you, do you want to give a little bit more of an introduction than that? Sure, yeah. So we we talked about sort of my experience building progressive web applications because I've sort of put out a few blog posts about progressive apps, specifically with Angular, um, as well as given a few talks. And I think that's what sort of grabbed gate. Like, you noticed me from there. Um, so we sort of talked about how progressive applications fit in the world of Angular, what Angular is trying to do to improve, what exactly are progressive web apps, and so forth. Awesome. <laughs> I just looked, I just saw the transcript for uh, the episode that you did. I just realized there's some really wacky stuff in there. I have to get it fixed, but anyway. Um, That's fine. So, so yeah, so uh, do you still work at Wrangle? I do, yeah, I do. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so the this episode we generally are just gonna try and uh, capture your story, see where you're at, see where you came from, um, and give people a picture of who you are. So mm-hmm. to start us out, how did you get into programming? So I um I don't have a typical sort of computer science background. I um I studied mechanical engineering, uh-huh. and I wrote my first line of code um in my life during my first year in an intro to programming course. It was C programming, and I um, didn't really like the way they taught the course. One reason, for example, was we had to write our code by hand during every exam. It was sort of didn't feel like an intro to programming course. Um, So after that, I actually thought coding and programming wasn't for me. It was only after sort of my third year where I did a bit of an internship that involved some Visual Basic and some SQL, I realized it actually isn't so bad. And only after I graduated... I got into web. I wanted to build a website, and I was like, okay, how does this work? And then once I started picking up the basics, I was like, okay, JavaScript sounds interesting, and I just joined the world of JavaScript, and I haven't looked back since. Awesome. So, so yes, yeah, so you start building a website, and what, what was it about that that really captured your attention? Because, you know, you mentioned that you had tried programming before, and it didn't really click for you. So, yeah, so yeah what changed? I think the thing about web was when I just started building my very first website, it just, I don't know, it felt fun in a way to sort of move things across a page, define a UI, sort of have the freedom to do what you like. Um, I've always been sort of front-end oriented. I sort of enjoy things in the front-end more. And it felt like trying to solve problems that I always thought about when I viewed web pages. And I would always think, okay, this wasn't done very well. And this does this is done nicely. It just felt sort of good to be able to think along those lines while building one yourself. Um, and then once I actually started looking into the sort of all the JavaScript frameworks and front-end architecture more so than just front-end websites, I even enjoyed it even more because now you're sort of thinking about how data moves on the front-end and how your user sort of interacts with your page in more detail, which I think is, is always fun to do. That makes sense. 
I'm, I'm a little curious too, you know, you mentioned that you got into JavaScript and, and that got you excited as well. For a long time, most of the people I talked to about web development, JavaScript was kind of a necessary evil. So how did you yeah. get into JavaScript? Yeah, and I, I, I think maybe it's probably different in my case because when I, when I started doing JavaScript, Angular 1 was already a big deal. Um, um, Angular 2 was coming around the corner. So I think a lot of people that I do talk to today, even at work and outside of work, they sort of know the older JavaScript better than I do, right? So I think I, I was fortunate enough to join JavaScript with, with such a community. Um, and that's why it's been a much better experience on my end. Um, and I can only imagine how things must have been, you know, eight, nine years ago when people had to build web pages with JavaScript. Yeah, that was a whole lot less fun. Generally, though, people would do most of the work on the server. So yeah, yeah, it, it's actually kind of funny now to watch some of these frameworks come back around to server side rendering. You know, React has it, Angular has it. I don't know. If yeah, has yeah. It, but yeah. yeah, it's just it's and it, funny. You're 100 percent right. And now it's becoming such a even at Wrangle.io, we try to talk about it from time to time, whether we need to actually include it for many of our projects. And and you're 100 percent right. It's it's it really is sort of a full circle, right? I think. The thing about all these front-end frameworks, and this is what sort of really attracted me to progressive enhancements in the first place, is sure, all these front-end frameworks can make you do so much more on the client side, but usually it comes with a cost, right? So sort of thinking about you know limiting your bundle size or even server rendering some, or if not all your assets, can be a bit of a difference. And if that improves things, then why not? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, and they, they generally make it so that it's not horribly painful to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it... it it was painful for quite a while, but it's becoming more and more complicated, mm -hmm. much easier to kind of manage and deal with. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah. So, what have you done with JavaScript that you're particularly proud of? So, I um, I've done a bit of open source work this past year, and I uh, I think most people who know me in the community um, probably know me from one of these sort of open source projects, or maybe from my blog posts as well. Um, so. The very first project that I actually sort of worked on, um, and this was sort of my first foray into Angular 2, was an Angular Hacker News client called Angular HN. Um, once I released it, I worked with Adi Osmani from the Google Chrome team to add some progressive enhancements to the app, see how much we could sort of optimize an Angular app. And he even went to showcase our findings at Google I.O. this past year, which was pretty cool. So even though the app wasn't really a super complex app and it wasn't sort of a massive application, I sort of enjoyed thinking outside the box in terms of optimizations and seeing how far we can actually improve an app. Um, and working with someone like Addy was, was, was an amazing experience. Right. Now, um, I've looked at building clients for Hacker News, and I don't believe they have an API, or at least they didn't when I looked. So how did you pull that off? <laughs> so they, they do have an official Firebase API. Um, oh. The only issue with that API is if you're using the Firebase SDK and using, you know, WebSockets, then you can probably use that okay. But if you're still using REST, every single comment and every single story is a separate endpoint. Um, okay. And it's not really the most efficient API to use if you're using simple REST. So there are a lot of unofficial APIs that people have created to make it easier. Um, oh. The one that I was using is called Node. HNAPI, um, and that sort of makes it a lot more simpler to just get a list of stories for a certain page and a list of comments for a certain, right. certain story, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. So, uh, so yeah, so you get into JavaScript, you've, you've been doing all of this work. Um, mm -hmm. is, is this something you're continuing to work on, or you have you moved on to other things? It, it, yeah, it sort of, it still is. I, um, even at my day-to-day -day job, I'm still at Wrangle.io, um, and for folks who are listening who don't really know what Wrangle.io is, 
they um, we're a development agency. We focus on web and mobile apps, purely usually using JavaScript. Um, and most of our projects either focus on Angular, or React, or React Native. So day to day, my full day usually consists of just working on front end mostly with some back end here and there using Node. Um, and outside of my day to day job, I still try to keep myself somewhat busy doing open source work in the realm of JavaScript um, or even speaking at conferences and meetups about web development and topics that I'm interested in and technical content involving blog posts and books so far. So, Right. So are you primarily then focused on content as opposed to code? So I think it's a bit of both. So I've, I think a lot of people have asked me and mentioned and they've sort of, they sort of assumed that I'm sort of doing a developer evangelist an advocate role at work because I sort of put out content here and there about, you know, things that I'm interested in or small, tiny side projects here and there. But my day to day job is still a software development position. So okay. I still am coding most of the day. And even on my open source work, I still try to build a few open source apps and things that to work on. Um, and even if I get contributors on board who sort of help me move it further, I still try to code as much as I can time to time. That makes sense. So, so do you have some projects that you're working on now or some talks that you've been giving lately or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so in terms of projects, um, the very last open source project that I worked on uh, is called Gitpoint. It's an iOS, Android, GitHub client built with React Native. And I built it because every currently available client at the time that I tried to use was either too simple, required payment for the most basic features, or didn't really have the best UI. Um, so now we have a decent number of users. We have almost 10,000 users using the app, um, over 70 contributors so far, which has been amazing. So I've been spending most of my time, all my free time um, these past few months sort of just making sure the app grows because there's, there's, there's still a fair bit of features and, and bug fixes we need to do. Right. In terms of talk topics, I, I've spoken at about five or six conferences this past year, and most of my talks have been about progressive web, web apps, um, progressive enhancements, optimizations. I do have one coming up in a few weeks, um, ConCatJS in Austria, and I will also be going to Fluent in in the summer. Um, aside from that, no other conferences lined up, but there might be more here and there. I'm trying to also think about different topics to talk about besides progressive enhancements, things that I've been doing outside of progressive web apps. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. So uh, th th this interview has gone a whole lot faster than they usually do. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting to see what you're working on, and you, you've definitely hit on some things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, are, are there areas that you're looking at learning right now, or is it primarily just continuing in the vein of what you've been doing over the last few years? I think it's it's a part of it is definitely in the vein of just continuing what I've been doing, um, just getting more familiar with 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 you know things like React and and other libraries in the ecosystem. Um, Angular and other things in the ecosystem as well. But there are also things that I've been thinking about trying to do that I haven't touched up yet. Um, Vue, for example, has been getting a lot of attention and I've heard it's, it's, it's got a lot of familiarities with both React and Angular. Um, GraphQL is something that I've been meaning to actually give a shot and try. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about GraphQL as well. So there's still a lot of things that I haven't even tried um, that I, I've been meaning to, as well as um, things still in the realm of JavaScript. Now, outside of the world of JavaScript, things like Reason React, um, which still really is, you know, essentially, it is a React sort of sugar framework, but it uses OCaml. So it's something else that I'm thinking of trying to do because I think I've been so familiar with 
working with JavaScript these past few years. I'm trying to sort of expand my horizons and see seeing what else I can enjoy. That makes sense. How do you decide what to learn next? I mean, this is something that I get asked all the time. How do I know what I'm supposed to learn? <laughs> I honestly, I get that. I get asked that all the time as well. Um, or a lot of people also ask me and say, well, how do I do it? And honestly, it's, <laughs> I wish I had a proper answer to it. It's just, I think, I don't know. I'll, if, if, for example, if I have an idea for an app, for example, Gitpoint, uh, I think would be a good example. That was, okay, I had the idea for the app. And I sort of knew I also wanted to learn React Native at the same time. So it sort of worked out in that case. I was like, okay, this is a great opportunity to just build something for React Native. Um, it took me some time to start, for sure. But I think things just aligned there. Otherwise, there's been times where I really just want to work on a specific tool, but I don't have a particular idea. So I'll just spin up like a tiny side project just to see how it works. So I don't think I have like a clear cut answer to it. It's more so just seeing what I can do with what I'm doing right now. And if there's something else that exists that I can use that I've been interested in learning, I'll just sort of try and use it as well. That makes sense. Um, I, I'm actually working on a course on this right now. Um, and generally, I just push people toward why do you want to learn, you know, why why do you want to learn it, right? So mm -hmm. are you trying to stay current? Why do you want to stay current? Is it about, you know, being, you know, having job opportunities when the time comes yeah. to change? Yeah. Or is it more about, you know what, I want to build an online presence in the programming mm -hmm. community or whatever, right? People have all kinds of reasons. And then from there, it's okay, so what's going to get you there, you know? Yeah. And, and decide based on that. And then And then it comes down to how do I figure out how to learn it and how do I know if I've learned it well enough? Yeah, no, I think I think all those points are so important. And I feel like, especially in the JavaScript community, new things are dropping left, right, and center. Yeah. We have a new library coming out every week. And I think a lot of people sort of kind of feel that, okay, I'm falling behind. I don't know this thing. Do I need to learn? I think you're 100% right. It's just, it's important to first realize why do you want to learn these tools? And then if you can, absolutely do it. And of course, make sure you enjoy it as well, right? So, Yep, absolutely. I'm also curious. Um, I, I think I usually usually when I talk to people about um, their career path, they usually came up through one of two ways. They either came up through um, sort of a boot camp or online learning or something like that, or they came up through getting a CS degree. And mm -hmm. you, you have kind of a, a kind <laughs> of related degree. I mean, it's an engineering degree, right? That's but true. CS degree, and. And I guess I'm curious, do you, do you feel like or do you wish that you had gotten a CS degree? Do, mm -hmm. do you feel like it would have been, I, I don't know. I, I'm always trying to evaluate the value of having a CS degree versus coming in some other way. And I see yeah. talented people come in both ways, so I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer, but I'm wondering mm -hmm. what your hindsight tells you about that. Yeah, I think for myself, you're right. Even though I really did not do computer science during school, I was still in the world of engineering. So I definitely had more of that exposure that I know a lot of people didn't. So I was fortunate. Um, but going back in time, if I had to pick what I would study, I would study computer science. And not for the reason um, that it would probably be like, for example, would it really be helping me right now in terms of the new JavaScript frameworks and things I'm using? Probably not so much. But I think learning computer science can actually give you such important fundamentals, things like data structures, how to build things, algorithms. I think that kind of knowledge will help you with whatever language you're using. So I think that's why I think it's valuable. Um, more so another probably reason, because I went to University of Toronto, um, and I think University of Toronto and another university in Canada called Waterloo, they're both sort of really looked up to in terms of computer science in Canada, where a lot of big tech agencies and a lot of big tech companies in the States even go and look for recruiting that kind of talent. So I feel like 
doing computer science not only isn't useful in terms of learning the basics, but it can actually give you so much more exposure by the time you graduate to all these tech companies and figure out what you want to do. Now, the same vein, I always talk to a lot of people who are actually considering going back to school um, and saying, hey, maybe I should go back and do something computer science. And I feel like it's not, I always feel like school sort of as important as it is, it sort of dives too much into theory. And if, for example, in the case of computer science, something I'm trying to do now, and I think a lot of other people can do, is just sort of build that base themselves on your own free time. And I feel like you can cover so much more ground than having to go through four years or however many years that school expects you to go through. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I've mentioned this on past shows. uh, So I have a computer engineering degree, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is much more closely related to computer science. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I have a brother going through a CS program and I, you know, I tend to agree. I, I think, I think if you're going to go to college and you know, mm-hmm. you want to be a programmer when you come out the other end, then, you know, it makes a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. keep in mind that they're not necessarily going to teach you how to be a good coder. They're going to teach you how to be a good student and they're going to teach you all the fundamentals that you want to learn. Yeah. And, um, if you decide, you know what, college is not for me and you want to come in some other way, we have plenty of those people too that succeed. And so it's not a necessity. Yeah, I think you definitely yeah, hit the nail on the head. It's definitely not a necessity. And I think you honestly might have a much better shot learning that material on your own rather than going to school. Because just like you said, end of the day, school is going to be teaching you how to be a great student and how to excel at exams. But at the real world, right, things are completely different. So, Yeah, I will say, though, that a lot of the people that have the uh, the background that kind of makes them the the deep thinkers and things like that in the field I find mm-hmm. that they tend to have the computer science degree. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're necessarily better programmers, but it, it has equipped them to be the kind of student to ask the question, and they've been trained to find the answer in the computer science realm. And, and, and I think that's really the difference. So if you want to go out there and you want to make great apps, either way is fine. If you mm-hmm. want to go out there and uh, you know kind of theorize on different aspects of the field, then a computer science degree is probably a good idea. Good point. Yeah. And even even more than that, I think, for example, if you really wanted to, let's say, help build React engine and sort of make it more efficient and make things even more maintainable, then I think learning the low level stuff can be so helpful. But day to day building apps in general, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've said this on the show before, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But my brother asked me how much of his computer science degree he was going to use when he Mm -hmm. graduated. And I told him basically almost none of it. And, (laughs) you know, he's like, well, then, you know, what should I be learning? And I said, honestly, yeah. the most handy thing you can learn as a new, you know, to go mm-hmm. into the programming field, you know, besides knowing how to code is yeah. how to work with people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and it really does come around to that. You're 100% right. So you're you're kind of this framework polyglot, it sounds like, you know, you're doing some Angular, some React, some Vue, um, and I'd love to just get your approach to learning those things. So, you know, when you approach a new framework, let's say you're going to go you learn Vue or you're going to learn some new aspect of the React ecosystem or Angular ecosystem, mm-hmm. how do you get started with that? So I think everyone has their own ways of learning, you know, a brand new tool, be it a framework or anything. Uh, I think the, the very first thing I always tell people in general is just what works for me is start building. I know a lot of people who might prefer first digesting the documentation first, and that's fine if that works. But for me, I notice I learn the most when I start building and I have no idea what I'm doing and I have to actually search things up. Um, now, I think in terms of being specific with frameworks, I think 
it's important to sort of identify who's like what the level of the developer is trying to learn if they're brand new to frameworks in general. Um, and for example, only know a bit of vanilla JavaScript and don't even know if they really need to learn a framework. I would definitely suggest just picking one um, that they've been interested in and just sort of trying to build a basic app and don't worry about any external libraries. Don't worry about Redux. Don't worry about NGRX store. Don't worry about recompose. Just use the tool like the way it was made. And as long as they understand, I think just core fundamentals, like what is a component? Oh, this is a component. Now, how do I pass data between one component and the next? I think once you want, like once that clicks, any framework really in this day and age just will have that same sort of pattern, right? Now, for someone who's really experienced in one specific framework, like let's just say they're really experienced in Angular, and they want to like now see why if React is any better for the things they're doing. Um, similarly, I would also suggest just trying to build with React first and not worry about anything else. But I would also let them know and try to make them think of how to connect things they've done in Angular and see how those same patterns are done in React. Mm -hmm. For example, if, hey, now I'm using this different library and React let me, lets me use this library and it's just easier to connect things, then they can sort of start seeing the advantage of one framework or the other in their own preference, right? So I think it really depends from person to person, but really just learning the basics of any framework first, you can really pick up anything else. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you uh, pick up next, and I'm also really interested to see you know um, yeah. what we can wind up talking about on the show next because um, you know I remember having you on the show. It was just a mm -hmm. really interesting episode about a topic that continues to come up. You know, mm -hmm. with progressive web apps, and mm -hmm. so yeah. Um, anyway, cool stuff. And, I, and like I said, I really enjoy talking to you. Um, Thank you. So the last thing that we do on the show is picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now, and it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. So I think maybe this time around, one thing that, um, that, I, that I sort of stumbled upon recently was the new view engine that Angular is working on called Ivy, um, supposed to drastically reduce build sizes. And although there only seems to be a tiny Hello World preview release, I'm actually really excited to see how it turns out in, a few months, in the coming months. <laughs> Um, my second pick would probably be a talk, um, by, by Jake Archibald called in the loop. He just recently gave it at JSConf Asia and it dives into the event loop, the main thread and micro tasks. And I love the way he sort of explains things. So if anybody's really interested in that kind of content, I think that talk can be super useful. Mm -hmm. Um, for my third pick, now I'm just trying to think of something outside of, of tech. Um, would be a show, I think. I I watch a show called Dark on Netflix. Um, it's a German show, but it's actually really well done. I feel like 
the way it's shot, the acting, everything's really well done. It's only 10 episodes and it's just the first season now. Um, but apparently they're already shooting the second season. So I'm actually really, I'm looking forward to that. Very cool. I'm going to go ahead and jump in with a couple of picks here as well. Sweet. Um, so this episode comes out in about two weeks as we record this, which is mm-hmm. about the same time as we're going to release uh, uh, our first episodes of React Roundup and Views on View. So if you're interested in View or React, um, then definitely check those out. Joe Eames is going to be one of the panelists on the View podcast. So if you're familiar with him from Adventures in Angular, um, you know you can hear more of Joe. Um, and then the View podcast or the React podcast was something that was kind of a personal interest of mine. And, you know, it's just the same kind of thing, right? It's what am I talking to people about? What are they interested in hearing about? And React just kept coming up. So um, I thought, oh, well, let's put a show together for the folks that want one. And I was utterly surprised that there wasn't already one um, of that format. But there wasn't. So um, if you're interested in learning either of those, uh, that's fine. I, I, I don't think you're an Angular trader. Um, <laughs> You know, it's just it's just another exciting part of the JavaScript ecosystem. And, you know, I'm hoping that it helps a few people um, level up in their career. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if people want to follow up with you or see what you're working on these days or anything like that, uh, what are the best places to do that? Um, I would probably say Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is hjirdh, my last name. So that's H-D-J-I-R-D-H. I try to stay active as much as I can, talking about the things I'm doing, the things I'm interested in. Um, aside from that, if I'm putting on new blog posts, it would probably be on my website, and that is on Hussein.me. Awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks for coming, Hussein. Sweet, thank you. No, I appreciate it. It was good talking to you again. Yeah, you too. We'll uh, catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.